You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast election series. Joining us to talk about her campaign for attorney general in the Democratic primary coming up on September 6th before November's general election is Shannon Liss Reardon. Liss Reardon has an extensive background and track record as a labor lawyer. She's a graduate of Harvard University who started her career with legendary feminist, civil rights leader, labor lawyer, and congresswoman Bella Abzug. Throughout her career, she has won groundbreaking lawsuits on behalf of workers. She's argued and won landmark cases in front of the Massachusetts Supreme Court and was the first person to challenge the misclassification of gig economy workers as independent contractors. In 2009, she created Licton and Liz Reardon PC with labor lawyer Harold Licton. So Shannon, why do you want to run for attorney general now? I have spent my career taking on the biggest challenges and delivering big results for regular people across Massachusetts. Uh, I'm very excited about this opportunity to extend and expand on the work that I've been doing as a private attorney general for the last 20 years, um, continue to do that work, but now with the power of the state behind me. There is there is so much opportunity with this office, and I'm very excited about the possibility of becoming the people's lawyer. Can you tell us one aspect of your career that really sets you apart from the other candidates who are also running for this position? So I'm the only candidate in this race who has actually been a practicing lawyer. For the last 23 years, I have, I've run a law practice. I've managed teams of lawyers. I have made national headlines, um, taking on some of the largest corporations in America and winning corporations like Uber and Amazon and FedEx and Starbucks and my alma mater, Harvard University, which I've sued four times. Um, so I know how to do this job from day one because I've been doing it in my private practice for the last 20 years. I'm, I'm, the, only, um, I'm the only candidate in this race who's actually managed a law firm. Um, I've won the jury trials. I've won the appeals that have shaped the law to better and more fairly serve the people. So I think I'm the most qualified candidate to run the people's law firm. Now, when you look at Massachusetts right now and you look at the current attorney general's office, what do you feel is the biggest issue not currently being addressed that the next attorney general needs to take a look at? Well, I think Mara Healy has done an excellent job as attorney general. So I'm, I'm very excited about the prospect of stepping into her shoes and building on and expanding on the work that she's been doing. Um, in, the, in the area of employment, discrimination. I think there's a lot more that the Attorney General's office could be doing directly to root out systemic discrimination in um, our workplaces and education. That's the kind of impact litigation that I've been doing and leading for years. Um, I think in the area of wage enforcement, there is a lot that could be done to get money back into working people's pockets quickly um, when they're victims of wage theft. And again, that's what I've been doing for years. I've collected hundreds of millions of dollars that was stolen from working people. And I am really looking forward to using the power of this office to, to do this work on an even broader scale. And I want to talk about that employer-employee relationship a little bit more. You mentioned employment discrimination and wage theft. When you look at the business climate here in Massachusetts, do you feel that those are the two biggest issues right now between employees and employers here in the Commonwealth? Well, I think those are very important issues for the AG's office to tackle. I also think that as we're coming out of the pandemic, there, there are new issues that we really need to be looking at. We need to 
um, see what lessons that we can learn from the last couple of years. A number of the things that, that have come out of the pandemic, uh, I think were good modifications to how businesses work. Uh, a lot more flexibility has been introduced. Things that weren't even really conceived of a couple of years ago are now standard. A lot more people are able to work from home and it hasn't affected productivity in many industries. Um, this has also allowed um, people with disabilities, better access to the workplace. Um, but, we, but we have some big issues to tackle. Um, for example, the number of women who have been forced out of the workplace over the last couple of years because of childcare responsibilities, schools being closed, uh, family members to take care of, which has disproportionately fallen on women, has set us back decades, really, um, in the move to advance women in the workplace. So we have, a, we have a lot of tough issues that we need to face as well, uh, and I'm excited to take on those challenges. And in addition to the kind of workplace issues surrounding the pandemic, we've also seen news about those who are accused of exploiting pandemic resources, whether it's from the state or taking advantage of consumers during the pandemic. How do you propose that we address those two pandemic challenges? Well, I know how to enforce our laws and our rules because that is what I've been doing every day for the last 23 years. So I think for, for those who um, have tried to take advantage of our systems, we absolutely need to, to go after them and collect our taxpayer money. Um, however, th there were a lot of flaws in rolling out unemployment benefits during the pandemic. Um, uh, there were a lot of people who in good faith got those payments and then later they were told, oh, that was a mistake and the state was going to try to claw it back. I absolutely think that we should not be clawing back these payments that were made to people in good faith who, who needed that money to pay the rent, put food on the table and just survive. Our listeners consist of a strong contingent of the North Central Massachusetts business community. And they might be wondering, you know, if you're elected in November, how could your office assist them with reaching their full economic development potential? So I, I think a really important job of the Attorney General's office, at which I am excited to do, is to listen to different constituencies and figure out what they need. I, I would be working in partnership with community groups, activists, as well as small businesses to figure out what are they looking for in order to grow their businesses and expand prosperity? Um, even though I have represented employees through my whole career, I've actually seen both sides of it because I am a small business owner. I run and manage my law firm. Uh, I also ran a, a pizza place in Harvard Square for a few years, um, which was the result of a, a class action lawsuit I brought against the upper crust, which was stealing wages from its immigrant workers. Um, I showed up at the bankruptcy auction block for that company and I bought the Harvard Square location and turned it into a worker-friendly pizza shop. Um, so, you know, having, having been on both sides, I understand it's not easy. It's, uh, it's, hard, it's hard managing a business and running a business. And I think it's really important that the rules be spelled out clearly on both sides, both for workers to understand their rights and businesses to understand their obligations. Because that, that's our goal, is for everyone to play by the rules um, and it... Uh, and it helps businesses who are trying to do things right to have those rules clearly spelled out and also to make sure that um, complying competitors are not hurt when there are some bad actors out there who are going to intentionally try to undermine our rules and cut costs. Um, and, and so I think that's a very important reason that we need to have strong enforcement of the rules that, that our legislature has enacted.
Now, the Commonwealth has set a goal of 2050 for net zero carbon emissions. Uh, earlier this year, Attorney General Maury Haley struck down a pair of Brookline proposed bylaws that were aimed at attempting to restrict the use of natural gas in new buildings, citing them as conf- conflicting with state laws, regardless of her policy views. As the Commonwealth moves towards that emissions target and moves towards addressing climate change, which is a huge issue uh, for lawmakers, what role do you see the Attorney General's office playing in that discussion over climate change? So we we have some ambitious goals that are being set forth by our legislature. We have the Next Generation Roadmap, which is only going to be successful if... um, if, if the rules are abided by um, and if corporations are held accountable to to comply with these. Um, we need someone who knows how to enforce those rules. Um, and I also have some, uh, some thoughts about further ways that the Attorney General's office can help us meet our climate goals. Um, penalties that we can collect from enforcement actions against violators of the rules can go into a green bank that can be used to fund economic justice projects, environmental justice projects, um, clean energy projects. Um, So I think there are a lot of creative mechanisms that we can use in addition to enforcement to ensure that we make make our way to the green future that we need to to save our planet. And when it comes to policy, whether it's climate change or another issue, um, what role do you feel the Attorney General's office should be able to make to impact policy? Well, there are very important obligations of the Attorney General's office. One is it is the, the job of Attorney General is to be the people's lawyer. So, so first and foremost, I think that my experience um, leading litigation, managing a law firm makes me best suited for this job because I know how to use the law as a tool to affect people's lives and improve people's lives. At the same time, throughout my legal career, I've been an activist lawyer, um, and I look forward to being actively engaged with the legislature as attorney general, and I would partner with the legislature um, and make sure that we get the laws enacted that we need in order to protect the people. When you look at the AG's office and how it's currently structured, is there anything you'd like to do differently if you're elected, or are there any changes that you would like to bring to the way their office is currently run or executed? Well, I've got, I've got a bunch of ideas about what can be done to strengthen wage enforcement, to strengthen consumer protection enforcement. Um, I think the Attorney General's office has, has very strong tools to go after bad actors um, and seek penalties for those who are really going above and beyond trying to, to scam consumers, scam our seniors, um, and take advantage of well-meaning businesses by undercutting them by avoiding our wage and hour laws. Um, I think that the AG's office can collect penalties from these enforcement actions and set up funds that can be used to directly help those who have been impacted by violations. So, so for example, in the wage enforcement area, um, sometimes, oftentimes, you have a complaint, um, and these are workers who are living you know, day-to-day, paycheck to paycheck, and they haven't been paid properly their wages, and they come and they file a complaint, and it may often take a while, months, sometimes even years for anything to be done about that. Um, I think that the same way that people can go file a claim for unemployment, if you're eligible for unemployment, you get your pay, you get your unemployment payment, um, and then it's up to the state to go after 
employers to make sure that they're making their proper contributions into the unemployment funds. By the same token, I think there should be funds for employees who have been denied their wages. And then as attorney general, we can go to court, um, take bad actors to court, seek penalties that can help provide these funds, um, even beyond what the legislature may, may apportion the office for that purpose. I know there's a bunch of different kind of areas that the attorney general deals with. Earlier this year, the attorney general's office announced the establishment of a new conviction integrity unit. When it comes to equity, uh, is this new unit the best way to better serve underserved members of the population who are often uh, disproportionately affected by the, the criminal justice system and the justice system here in Massachusetts? Um, yes, absolutely. I'm very excited about this, um, this integrity unit. Um, there is a lot that we need to reform about um, our, our criminal justice system and the treatment of prisoners. Um, and I think the focus needs to be on providing the support and the services and the rehabilitation they need to be able to get back on their feet um, when, they, when they leave the prison system. They need to have connections with their communities, with their families, through visitation, through access to phone calls. Um, and we need to be, we need to be supporting their re-entry. Um, um, prisoners also are being taken advantage of for their labor. Um, there's a bill that I strongly support this in the legislature right now that would eliminate sub-minimum wages. Um, a lot of people think of that mostly for service workers who, who get paid less than the minimum wage, but we also have prisoners who are, who are being exploited for their labor and they should be able to make earn, earn wages while they're in prison so that they'll be better equipped to re-enter society upon their release. Now, I know um, in the introduction, we talked about, a little bit about your experience with litigation surrounding gig workers, contract workers. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and um, what you think the role of the attorney general will have to do um, as that discussion is ongoing and continuing? Yeah, I, so I, I've been working on this issue for the last 10 years. I'm the, I'm the attorney who started our, sparked our national conversation about the importance of gig workers having the rights of employees. And I have been uh, in hand-to-hand -hand combat, you might say, with all of these gig companies, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Grubhub, for the last decade, um, fighting for the rights of these workers uh, to have uh, employment protections. Uh, it's a result of this work that has now led these companies to come back to Massachusetts and try to buy themselves a big carve out from the law through a ballot initiative that, that folks are going to be hearing a lot more about later this year. Um, I am a proud founding um, board member of a growing coalition of workers' rights advocates, civil rights activists, and consumer rights advocates to, to stop this ballot initiative from succeeding. Because the problem is, is that we're not really just talking about Uber and Lyft drivers. This is all workers. Um, this industry is trying to um, put money into a deceptive advertising campaign across Massachusetts to make people think that it's somehow better if these workers don't have those protections. And it's just a big, it's just a big uh, attempt by them to, to buy themselves a carve out from the law. And if, if they get away with this, every industry, I fear, is going to be trying to figure out how to fit themselves into that exception, making all of their workers app-based workers. Um, before you know it, the entire um, web of employment protections that we have for working people uh, is going to be under attack. Massachusetts is ground zero on this 
battle right now and the, the eyes of the nation are upon us. So I think it's a very important battle that we're fighting. And as Attorney General, I would be ready to step in and take over the litigation that Mara Healy initiated against Uber and Lyft for misclassifying their drivers as independent contractors. Whatever happens, this issue is not going to be over this year. Um, we need someone in that office who has been in this chess match with these companies and knows what next steps need to be taken, um, whatever happens this year with that ballot initiative. Now, I know we spent a lot of time talking about um, the employee side of things when it comes to that employee-employer relationship. We have a lot of small business owners here in North Central Massachusetts, and they might be wondering, when it comes to kind of making sure they're also protected, do we need to look at how things are protected on their end to ensure that folks are not taking advantage of them uh, when it comes to unemployment claims or when it comes to, to disputes with employees? Yeah, well, again, I think the most important thing is transparency and education. Um, if the laws are made clear um, and if we do our job to educate employers as well as employees about what their, their obligations and rights are in the workplace, I think that will go a long way toward ensuring that everyone's interests are taken into account. Um, and I think it's, it's vitally important that um, um, that, these, that these rules be clearly spelled out. Um, and I will be listening to what employers have to say about what needs to be explained better or clarified or, or taken into account as we are enforcing these rules in the Attorney General's office. And for listeners who are tuning into the podcast right now, um, if you showed up at their doorstep today or, or on, their, on their web camera somewhere on, the, on a web chat like, like we're having right now, and you had 60 seconds to convince them why you are the candidate that deserves their vote in the September primary, and then again in November uh, to be the next attorney general. What would you say to them? And I am going to time you starting right now. Okay. All right. Well, I, I've been an activist lawyer throughout my career. I'm um, going back to my early days as a women's rights organizer and activist, which I learned working with a legendary Bella Abzug. I have always found that there, there's huge power in, in using the law to improve people's lives. I am the candidate in this race who knows how to use our legal system to make progress on, on some of the toughest issues facing us, from fighting race discrimination to standing up for gender equality to protecting the dignity of work. I'm the candidate in this race who has practiced law for 23 years. I'm the only candidate in this race who has managed a law firm. I have won the jury trials. I've won the appeals that have shaped our law to better and more fairly serve the people. I see this race as a job interview, and I'm asking folks to consider my background, my skills, my experience, my passion, and my unparalleled record in delivering meaningful change as they are choosing the attorney for the people of Massachusetts. So I would be humbled and honored to receive the support of your listeners today. And Shannon, where can listeners go for more information? Um, so I would ask you please to take a look at my website, which is shannon4ag.com. Four is F-O-R, not the number, shannon4ag.com. Thank you so much. This has been another election series episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. I'd like to thank Shannon Liss Reardon for taking the time to talk to us about her platform as a Democratic candidate in the race for Attorney General. The primary is scheduled for September 6th. The general election is slated for November 8th. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.